Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. I have a full heart about this episode with Amber Runyon. You will be so blown away by the perseverance, intelligence, and grit of this incredible woman. I will introduce her more in just a moment. If you like this episode, please do me a favor and make sure you share it. That's how this podcast is spread. That's how it gets the most listens. And this is a particular episode that I think so many people need to hear, not only to raise awareness for the things that Amber learned about abruptly, and that led to a big life change for her and the work she is now currently doing, but also for the soul work that she did herself and that I think we can all learn from. So if you like it, take a screenshot and share it on social media. If you do that, make sure you tag me at About Progress so I can see it and connect with you more. And you can also just text it, email it to a friend. It doesn't need to be public, but if it does, I would love that tag so I can make friends with you. And if you continue to come back to this podcast, make sure you subscribe. And just as importantly, please leave a review on iTunes for me. It's it's not hard if you have an, an iPhone, you just do it within the app. Otherwise, you can do it from your desktop on iTunes. And if you have another, if you're listening on an Android, I'm going to figure out a better way to explain it to you. And I'll come back next Wednesday to share that with you. So Amber Runyon, she is from Columbus, Ohio. She will give a more formal introduction to herself. I just wanted to tell you three things going into it. One, there are going to be some comments and conversation about human trafficking. So if you don't want to listen to this around your children, please make sure you put those headphones in. Two, this is not one big ad for 11th Candle Co. To be very honest with you, I get at least one email a day from someone who wants to be on the podcast to promote themselves and what they do. I usually do not even respond. (laughs) This is so different. I looked through Amber's website and Instagram and saw really quickly that I at least want to talk to her on the phone. And within five minutes, I knew this woman had an incredible story, an incredible soul, and a power that needed to be on this podcast. We'll certainly learn more about Amber's company and how and why she created it for you. She's here to share a purpose of what she has to help women and communities who are suffering from human trafficking and to share what she's learned about herself in the process. And that latter part is going to be just as important as the raising awareness piece. And lastly, third, Amber called me from the road. I She's a very busy woman, and I just wanted to talk to her whenever she could. And so that time happened to be on her way to a hike. So I am so grateful she took the time. I have listened to this episode several times in the process of editing it, and each time I just well up with tears at certain points. I have learned so much from her. She's incredibly inspiring, and I know that you will really value what she has to teach us today. Let's turn to our time with Amber. Hi, I'm here with Amber Runyon. Hi, Amber. Hey there, how are you? I'm great. I'm really excited to get to know you better as well as share as what you're up to with your organization and your mission. So I think it'd be great if you could start by explaining a little bit about who you are and then we'll go more into what you do. Yeah, so um, I started out in my profession um, as a nurse 
um, and did a bunch of medical clinics, um, and it landed me over in Ethiopia and kind of fell in love with the people and, and fell in love with the little sweet little girl over there, um, and that's kind of what led me into the organization. So um, by by trade, I'm a nurse, and um, so that's kind of professionally who I am. Personally, um, I really enjoy doing kind of like outdoorsy things and, and being in the community, so... That's great. And where are you calling me from? Like, what state are you in? <laughs> Ohio. Ohio. That's so great. I've it's never great been state there. Of Ohio. Okay, that's it's awesome. It's a great state. I mean, there's there's some things about it that I'm like, you know, we could we could stand to have a few more mountains, but you know, we'll take we'll take what we have. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in mountain in mountain towns, so I understand that too. Being now where I am in California, so Amber, tell us about the name of your organization. Sure. So it's 11th Candle Company, um, and everybody always asks, like, why 11th? Um, and it's because um, even in the 11th hour that there's still hope. And so we employ women that have been victims of human trafficking, exploitation, and addiction. Um, and so a lot of times for them, um, the 11th hour is kind of how they operate in that, in the, you know, if, if this doesn't work out, then I don't know what's going to work out. And so what we believe as a company and what I personally believe is that there's always hope. Um, even until the 11th hour. And so that's why we named it 11th Candle Company. So it's not 11th hour, um, it's just 11th. And that's so that's great. kind of why we named it what we named it. Yeah, I could pick up on that just based off of what I've been able to see in your feed and, you know, what you've described there as well. So people can find you, um, let's see, a few places. Let's say that right off the bat in case they're curious and want to check that out while we're chatting. Sure. Yeah, so uh, the, probably the best place to find out uh, a good chunk about it is is 11thcandleco.com and it's all spelled out 11thcandleco.com mm-hmm. and that's where you can either purchase the products that we sell um, it's kind of on the left side of the page and then on the right side of the page is kind of um, if you want to know more about me as the founder if you want to know more about the programs that we offer if you want to know more about like what we do and what we believe um, then that's you can find out a little bit more about the in-depth of the company over there. Great. So before we kind of go into the um, more details about what 11th Candle Co. does, I want to talk more about you going to Ethiopia and getting attached to a little girl there and how that inspired this whole thing. So let's go back to your roots a little bit. Tell me about your experience sure. in Ethiopia. Yeah, so I had done medical clinics in, at that point in Haiti and Honduras and Kenya. Um, I think I might be missing someplace, but, but that pretty much sums wow. it up that I've been in a number of places. Um, and I, um, on one of my trips to, to Ethiopia, I fell in love with a little girl named Mulu. Um, and mm-hmm. I remember I was just trying to learn more about the, the city and because we were planning on doing a lot more like really like targeted medical trips to the specific village. And so I was really trying to learn about the city and about the people and about what the needs were. And so, um, and this little girl came and put her little hand inside of mine and I had this insane sense of belonging, um, that she belonged to me and that I belonged to her. Um, and so I just kept going back and seeing her, um, a number of times a year for the last, um, five years. I'm really bad at years. I'm like, (laughs) I have this thing where I'm like, it was, if I say it was like two weeks ago, it could literally be two weeks ago or it could be like eight years ago. Yes. (laughs) Um, and so like my sense of, my sense sense of time, I'm like, I I don't know, five years. So I think, I think it has been around five or six years. Um, and so just really learning what their community needed and, um, and really, I, I, what I did not go over, was not going over with an intention to start a company um, yeah. or to start, a, or start an organization. I loved my job, and I, and I loved um, being a nurse and, and all of those things. And so it was, it was really kind of interesting to, 
to continue to fall in love with Mulu and to continue to fall in love with her community and, and seeing what her community needed. So what were some of the needs that you saw her community um, having that you felt called to help with? Sure. So I think like one of the things that I saw that the, the community does really well is that they're a community, right? So in the States, don't really have that. Like your kid is my kid. If your kid is acting up, I'm going to take care of your kid. Like it's, we don't really have this like in, intense sense of community um, and as a general whole. And so their community does, but their community lacks is a lot of like resources and they're just really behind, right? And so, like, we're we're in Ethiopia, and so Addis Ababa is the capital, and we're about three hours outside of the city. And so there's a lot of the village that still doesn't have running water. A lot of the village doesn't have electricity. And so they're really behind, but in so many other ways, they're so advanced. And so what I saw was this really passionate group of people who actually wanted to improve the, their lives and the lives of the of the next generation. And so what they desperately needed was some sort of structure and some sort of uh, financial backing to be able to really kind of lift their village up off the ground. Mm. Okay. And so how does this tie and how in? that kind of transition yeah, yeah, tell how me about that. tie into like human trafficking, mm-hmm. right? How does it tie into human trafficking? I watched two little girls be sold in the middle of the day um, and they were blindfolded and kind of being shuffled around. And I remember asking my translator, like what's happening? And he said, Oh, they're being sold. Like just as, plain as day like no like this is wrong no like then like i'm, I'm sorry they're what's happening they said wow. they're being sold and i'm like what do you mean they're being sold um and he's like well they're blindfolded so that they can't figure out where they are but this is the middle of the day and i was like oh that's not that's not okay and so mm-hmm. long story short i came back to ohio and and really started digging into right because i knew at that point between my you know my connection to mulu really getting to know these people in ethiopia i mean i know everybody in the in the village uh, and and i'm really beginning to form a relationship with these people i knew that i wanted to do something but i also knew that i wanted to serve in my city too right i didn't want to be um i, I didn't want to just give to like way over there right but mm-hmm. I, and I also wanted to give into my backyard and so I started Googling, um, you know, if you don't know what to do, ask Mama Google. Yeah. Um, it's Columbus, Ohio's biggest social issue, human trafficking. Um, oh we're goodness. fourth largest in the United States of America. And I was like, whoa, that's not okay. You said and it's so the I what? Knew, even if I could bring, the four- we're the fourth largest in the United States of America, Columbus. And I was like, whoa, which is crazy because I'd, I'd never heard of that. Like, it was on a topic that was regularly talked about in Columbus. It was not something that I felt like made the news or, um, and this was two, almost three years ago. Now it is really talked about. It is always in the news. So we're making progress. That's and so great. I looked at if we were to become a generation that would go from rape to redeemed, where do we fall short? And so one you're of the saying areas Columbus, that Ohio, saw, sorry, Amber, I want to clarify. You're saying Columbus, Ohio, no, Ohio is the fourth largest city in America that has human trafficking. That's, that's, what, that's what you discovered. For reporting, for reporting, for reported cases of human trafficking, that is correct. Okay, and it, are there details about um, what this looks like? Is it primarily a certain age range, or I, obviously, I'm imagining it's female? Um, it is large. It is largely female, and the average age is 13. My goodness, that's sickening, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And so when I found that out, I was like, whoa! So even if I brought Mulu back here, the likelihood her being trafficked in her own country or my city was really about the same 
Hmm. And I was like, what? I don't want a, I don't want a world where little girls and little boys are being bought and sold. Yeah. Right? Like, that didn't seem right to me. And so that's something that I knew that I could wrap my head around. And so that led me to, like, where do we fall short, right? Where do we fall short as a city? Where do we fall short as a state? Where do we fall short as a nation? Like, where do we fall? And, and really where I landed at was employment. People need three things to thrive. That's safe place, safe people, and purpose. We always forget that purpose piece. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I, re- I thought, well, we'll just start a company. Like, we'll just, <laughs> right? I giggle because it's, it, it is way more than that. But yes, that was kind of I what I thought. Okay, like, we'll, we'll just start a company. Um, to provide the purpose. And uh, again, consult- to provide the purpose, right? They have mm-hmm. to have a reason to get out of bed, right? They don't want our used t-shirts. They want jobs. They don't want our blessing bags. They want their kids back. They want so, a purpose. They want a reason to stop using drugs. They want a reason to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. So this serves like um, the parents. Is that what Correct. is that what you mean? It's serving the parents of these of these yeah. children who are being sold to human trafficking um, to help. No, so it's 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 it serves prior victims. Got it. So if okay. you've been a victim of human trafficking, exploitation, or addiction, mm-hmm. then that's who we serve. But oftentimes, okay. it's pa- pa- a lot of our women have children or children that they yeah. have or children that are in foster care or. Yeah. I was just wondering if it was more of like a preventative thing or more of a, let's help the, let's help the survivors who have been in this life. So I'm just so fascinated about everything that you're doing. Tell us, I I want to ask all these details about how you even got this started, <laughs> but let's talk more about who it's helping and, and what your organization does. Yeah. So um, to really simplify it, it, it is that uh, that uh, the candle is the uh, is the work for the woman. Mm-hmm. But more than that, the candle creates profits that uh, that allow us to do the work that we need to do over in Africa and allow us to work. So we are. This is where it gets even a little bit more complicated. We are both a nonprofit and a for profit. So I was not crazy enough to start one company, but two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the nonprofit funds all of the coaching and counseling and education. And then the for-profit allows us to make this product to employ these women and to continue to create profits to send over to Ethiopia. And so you have the for-profit and the non-profit working together mm-hmm. to create this program that these women are in. We also employ women who are still currently incarcerated. Um, and so we are working with them while they're in prison so that by the time that they get out of prison, they have money, they have resources, and they have a network of people to fall into. And, and why so are they in we prison? Kind of have tried to make Is it, it related to the human trafficking? It's related to human trafficking and and um, drugs. Mm-hmm. Because as a way to control these women, they use drugs, or as a way for these women to cope with the lives that they have been given, they turn to drugs as well. Is that the piece there? That is correct. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Wow. Okay. And so then so... they end up going to they end up going to prison for felony theft, for uh, forgery, for mm-hmm. a burglary, for drugs, for solicitation. Um, and so you have all, you have, it's, it's kind of like multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one area that we're really going to start focusing on is trauma and, and really yeah. working with, um, really working with their trauma. Um, we, we can't really make them viable human, viable, you know, citizens and, yeah. and workers if we don't fix what, what happened to them. What happened to them was, was a, was a horrible traumatic experience oftentimes for years. And so we really have to get into working with, how do we make that better? Wow. So how do you locate these women? How are you able to find them? 
Yeah, so it started out, <laughs> literally, I was like, does anybody know anybody who knows anybody? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Just it's like become on a Facebook? lot more refined process. Uh, no, it's a little bit more in person. Okay. Um, and so it has become a bit more refined process at this point. Yeah. Um, and we have a wait list. And so we don't mm-hmm. really have to look for women. Uh, I get gut-wrenching emails weekly um, about trying to get into our program. We also work with the prison, so we get them directly right out of prison. And so that... Um, and so we don't, we, we're not necessarily at this point really looking for people to employ. They, they kind of find us, but we work with, um, a lot of, um, a lot of social workers and a lot of, um, different programs here in the city that also have women who are in their programs who are ready for employment. Okay. So you, people come to you because they're referred to you, they hear it from other people and then they reach out and they, right. um, then they have the next steps to follow, um, if, if there's room in the program. That's correct. Okay, so what is what? Where does the candle come in? So the candle is—it's really interesting, right? Because and I did not think of this when I started it, though it works really well in my favor. Is that the way that we end human trafficking? Is that we that that we bring light into darkness, right? And so if you were to whatever room you're in right now, if you were to turn out every single light and block out all the windows, and you were to take a candle and light it, where light enters, darkness has to flee. Yeah. There's no option. That's physically how it works. That's spiritually how it works. That's that's just how it works, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I what, what's been really cool about this is that we have ambassadors who sell our products. That's one of the channels in which we sell our products. Is we've trained these people to go out into into the community and teach and do education, um, and then and then also sell our candles. And so the the way that that's worked is that I knew that if we were to turn in this, that we had to bring light into darkness. And the way that we did that was by going into living rooms and teaching people about what it looks like for their husbands to be buying sex, what it looks like to keep their children from being bought and sold. And we actually started talking about it like what's happening. We brought light into darkness because it's spreading so quickly because this is done in such darkness. If we bring it to the light, if news channels are running stories on it, if it's in the newspaper, if every time you light that candle, you think about the woman who's on the street, you're going to be a lot more aware of, of your surroundings. You're going to be a lot more aware of the articles that you read. And so I knew that that was how we had to go about bringing light into darkness. Oh, that's so, so the true, candles though. come into play because I literally Googled cheapest company to start, and it was a candle company. I was like, okay, that works for me. Yeah. Well, I, don't even like can- I don't even like candles. <laughs> really? Which it's- everybody finds absolutely fantastic fascinating you know what though it's it's interesting though how it does tie into your mission so well and the heart of what you're doing and you know I talked to you about this when we talked briefly before our interview how um I was a teacher in Oakland here in um Mm -hmm. Northern California and um one of the things that we were put in charge of was monitoring our teenage girls and making sure that they didn't get picked up on by pimps on the street because it had been happening so much. It wasn't just like, oh, we got to prevent this. It was, we have a big problem with this. Our, our 13-year-old girls are getting, you know, essentially trafficked. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. was, it, it was so awful in my mind, but also so shocking. Like, I just didn't know that could happen. And, and that was almost 10 years ago. That I learned about that and I think about it all the time still just how that was in my backyard and that was happening so for people to learn that to have that light um, push away the darkness of ignorance it empowers a community like you're saying it's not just empowering the people who are being affected personally it's empowering the whole community to help and it seems like that's happening in Columbus now people are talking about it 
So I wanted to ask a few more questions about, um, you said you have ambassadors. Are these, um, are these people who are in your program or are these people who are out, who, um, like are in your program to, um, recover from, um, their lives as, as being trafficked or is this people who are maybe not personally affected, but want to be helping the mission? Yeah, so it's just everyday kind of, uh, you know, we have a lot of, like, moms, we have a lot of college students, um, people who are kind of just looking for something extra to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, are, the women that are in our program, we're really intentional about um, their healing. Yes. And so we don't put them out to re-exploit them or okay. their story. Yeah, I just um, wanted to make so sure that was really clear, because sure. I assumed yep. so. Yep, yeah. That is something I'm super passionate about. So yes. No, we, do, we, we are definitely very careful about It's that. not like, hey, let's take you from one thing you don't want to do to another. <laughs> it's like, let's make sure that you yes. are healing and, a, a and growing. Of, exactly. A lot of social enterprises in general, um, and I think some do it knowingly, and I think some do it unknowingly, do that exact thing mm. where they just re-exploit people in their stories. Oh Nonprofits are guilty of this as well re-exploiting people and their stories to make money. And I, and that's something that we are just incredibly passionate about and try to do. There's no, there's no playbook for this. There's no right or wrong. Um, it's just something like all of our social media, the way that we design um, our, our pictures, the way that we tell the stories, the words that we use, the words that we don't use, we try to be very, very careful about. Okay. That's so good to know. I just wanted to make sure that was clear for anyone who was listening. So the candles, who, who makes them? And then I want to go into how it is translated to affecting a community in Ethiopia, for example. Sure. So the women in our program make the candles. Uh-huh. Um, I have not. I have not made a candle in, gosh, a number of months at this point. Um, in the beginning, it was kind of myself and, and our. We have a home office team as well, um, and the women. In the, but now um, we've ranked uh, women up through our program, and um, our our supervisor, our shop supervisor. Um, is a woman who has ranked up through our program. And so they're all made by the women that are in our program. Yeah. So the whole goal is to as many women as we can to, um, so our goal is kind of two different things, right? We're kind of a short-term transitional employer where we don't employ them forever because if we employed them forever, then we'd only be able to help, you know, five people. Mm -hmm. But if we can, if we can transition them into other healthy work environments after having gotten the help that they need. um, But our goal also is to have as many women that fit, within our company actually doing the job um, in our company. Got it. One, they understand that. what these women are going to going going through. Mm-hmm. And two, that's, that builds the culture of who we are as a company. You know, you said in the beginning of the interview that everybody needs a place, people, and purpose. Did I get those three correct? Mm-hmm. It seems like that's, that's what you're, I mean, you talked about how you wanted to provide them with a purpose, but I do see them, that you are also giving them a place and people through this. You know, they, you're giving yep. them all three that they desperately need coupled with the purpose that they haven't had. Um, tell me about the effects that you see on these women who are having all three again in their lives. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of phenomenal to see. And what I think is even more fascinating is that is that uh, we, myself included, so quickly think like, oh, these people need this. We all need it, right? Like, I need safe place, safe people, and a purpose, Mm -hmm. or I wouldn't thrive, right? Mm -hmm. You need those things. Um, The difference oftentimes between, you know, the kind of, quote, us and them, which I I desperately hate, but um, the the difference is is that we have that built in, and so we don't recognize that we need it because we already have it. These women desperately need it because they don't have it or have never had it. Mm -hmm. And so once they get it, it's 
sometimes a little shocking to them and they're like not 100% sure how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and But then as they begin to settle into it and as they begin to settle into who they are and as they begin to be able to not be so flight or flight, they begin to really settle into like who they are as people, um, then that just opens up their healing in a completely different way. That just opens up their ability to to work and work efficiently and, and it, it just kind of changes the, their whole landscape, their whole life scene. So within the program... Which honestly, every employer should do. Right. Every employer yeah. should do this. This shouldn't just be right. Mm-hmm. I, I, this should be what we do as communities in general, not just with survivors of human trafficking, exploitation and addiction. It should be that this is what we do in all of our communities. Wow. That's so fascinating to think about that. I wish it were that way. Tell, tell me about um, within the program, they're making these candles, but you said that you have other thing that you provide um, and helping them. Yeah, so like coaching, coaching and counseling. So we have a program called Earn While You Learn, where they get paid to learn something. So like right now we're going through like a, a huge financial class where we talk about in depth like finances and and why finances matter and why why you've made bad choices and then a lot of times it's a heart issue and not a financial issue. Um, and so we we kind of work through different different programs like that as well as like coaching and counseling. So. Um, kind of laying out their their individual care plans. Like, what do you need to be a successful human? Not just at work, but what do you need to be a successful human? Well, I need to file bankruptcy. I need to get a car. I need to get my kids back. And then we kind of start to create this program and work through what exactly does each individual person need. I can't make a program and be like, okay, all of you fit into this little box and and it's going to work out for all of you. That's not how it works at all. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of try to work with them individually but knowing that we're not going to be able to solve all of their problems and, and we would we would be doing the absolute wrong thing if we try to solve all of their problems, but just trying to coach them and guide them through. And then they all get counseling um, and work through, work through their stuff um, kind of outside of work so that they're, so that they're able to kind of process what happened to them and, and all the stuff that comes with that. Okay. So how big are we talking here? Like how many women are within your program? So it kind of fluctuates. So we um, we usually typically have between three and four at a time, but sometimes you have relapses and sometimes you have um, the need to be um, admitted for like long term, um, like a longer term, like mental, um, like mental hospitalization. And so it kind of fluctuates depending upon what's going on. And then we run our classes for nine months at a time. So um, so it just kind of varies where everybody's at, but usually three to four. We don't go any larger than that because healing really happens in small groups. So we try to be very intentional with the, with the women that we have and really go really deep with them mm-hmm. um, and be able to provide excellent care instead of trying to have 85 people and provide, you know, mediocre care. Okay. Because really, really cool. one, one changed person, right? One changed person actually affects an entire family, mm-hmm. right? So if we really can change and heal one person, then we're, but we're, we're actually doing way more than that. We're actually like changing a whole, a whole family. And more than that, we're changing, we're changing a whole lineage of, of, you know, we're creating kind of change throughout like an entire generation, right? Yes, if you if are. the mom as well, we use that because, because who we're, who we're affecting is women, right? And I say this all the time and it is not a feminist comment, nor is it an anti-man comment, but if the woman is well, all is well. Right. Yeah. The, the, if the woman is, is so then if mom is well, 
the kids start to become well. Mm-hmm. If mom is well, then the sister starts to become well, right? That's the thing about, like, becoming healthy and becoming better is that people around you will see that light within you, and they want that too. And so really mm-hmm. it just begins to create change within families, which, which will eventually begin to, to change communities. Can you give me um, an example? And, of course, you, you know, using um, using a, a different name than the real name of sure. maybe a woman who comes to mind of, of her story and how she's personally been shaped through this. Yeah. So I think about our, our, our uh, supervisor. She came in, barely, b- barely would speak to you, would not make eye contact with you, um, kind of really didn't know, like, I mean, wasn't one that was kind of like, ooh, she's going to be one that we really need to watch, but was one that was kind of like, hmm, like, we, she's definitely got some internal stuff um, happening. Mm-hmm. And then really just as, as we became the safe place for her and, and became safe people for her, she really began to blossom. And then she would come to me with the ideas and she'd say, I'm, I have, and I was doing this and I was thinking that if we did this and this would work and really was able to help us streamline our process. And was really be was really able to help us to help us see from an everyday perspective of pouring these candles, right? Because even if I poured candles, um, I still had a million other responsibilities. So I was really just trying to do what I had to do to get the candles out the door for the orders that needed to go out. Yeah. Where she was really looking at this is a process, and um, she had some health set, setbacks, and and really we didn't think that she was going to survive. Um, and then watching her come back from that, like even stronger and saying like, I know that I have a purpose now. I knew that when I was in the hospital that I had to get better because I wanted to come back to work. And I knew that I had things that I needed to do. And I knew that I wanted to help the other women in the program. And so then she came back from, I mean, she was in ICU, like we did not think that she was going to make it. And she came back and then really just kind of continuing to promote her up through. And now if I step into her station, she's like, um, Amber, (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to need you to get out of my station because you make a mess. And like, and so it's just really kind of cool to watch her just it. continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have, we have, we are a culture of fun. If nothing else, we, we are, we definitely love to have fun. Um, mm. And so she, we, we, we have a, we have a very joking um, relationship, but it's been really cool. We're, we're moving our production facility and we're opening up a retail space. Actually, like this weekend, um, we moved wow. some stuff um, <laughs> and we'll open um, March 12th or April 12th, I don't even know what month it is, April 12th. And so it's been really cool to watch her take ownership of, well, I think if we did this, well, I think if we did that, from the first day that I met her, with her not even being able to look me in the eyes, to her telling me, I think the decision you're making isn't going to be what's in the best interest of the company. Hmm. Huge. That's what you want, but we, right? We create, we create, right, we create a culture of she can say that to me. Right. I say all the time that there's a fine line between CEO and employee and if there even should be a line. Because, you know, the difference it makes when people are able to speak up. Absolutely. So what do you have in mind for for this um, nonprofit profit um, company? Where do you see it going? That's a great question. So we just turned three. Mm-hmm. Um, and starting a company and a nonprofit from literally nothing is, is hard work. Yeah. Um, and that is like the understatement of this country. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, looking forward, I really see our nonprofit becoming more of like uh, more definitely way more saturated in the trauma care and way more saturated in, in how we 
how we really teach our community to handle this and, and really kind of broadening more than just employment. I think we'll, you know, do coaching, counseling, employment, and really dig into this as a community um, and, and how all of that works and how that works together. And then, I, and, and then being able to open that up to other employers, teaching other employers how to do this. And then for the for-profit side of things, I think it's replicating it. I think it's either I think it's either trademarking it or mm-hmm. not trademarking, but um, franchising it and mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, you want one of these in your community? Great. Here's how you do it. Cool. Things, here's all the manuals. Here's all of this stuff." And so I think our goal was never to have this big mass warehouse housing 85 people. Our goal was to always take and replicate this into different cities that desperately need this kind of program. Wow. Okay. Because you want this to spread. You don't want this to just be, I oh, mean, I know we can all buy your candles, um, but you don't want this to huh? just affect the women of Columbus, Ohio and the women that you're helping in Africa Absolutely as well. Not. That's incredible. I mean, every community needs one of these. Mm-hmm. Every community needs one of these. Now, how we go about doing that, I'm hoping that I'm not in charge of that at that point, but you yeah. know, we'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aren't you already so inspired by this woman? I just wanted to take a moment for a little break to tell you about a code that she has given our listeners. If you want to save 20% off her candles, and I get nothing out of this, by the way, just so that's clear, make sure you use the code PROGRESS, P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S, to get 20% off their candles. I am going to order mine myself. I'm going to do honey and fig. That just sounds perfect to me. You can find the candles at 11thcandleco.com. That's 11th, spelled out, candleco.com. And if you are ready to do some more soul work like Amber is and you need some mentoring along the way, I'm your gal. I've been mentoring a few ladies who are in a similar position as Amber was, ready to make some changes in their life, realizing they needed some guidance. It's, it's past the therapy point. I'm not a therapist, but I am a mentor. I can coach you through this. I can hold your hand and get these real steps through some, some real soul work to make you ready for the next steps of your life. If you're interested in coaching, you can connect with me through email at packerprogress at gmail.com. And I will be sharing some episodes in the near future of actual recordings that I've done with a few of the clients I've already taken on. Let's get back to my time with Amber. I know that we can buy your candle online, so I was hoping you could tell us about your your candles so that if someone was interested, they could go and do that. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So they are 100% soy wax, so you get a longer and uh, cleaner burn. They uh, It's 100% cotton wick, so again, it is the cleanest... Um, the cleanest way to burn a candle. We do use high-quality uh, fragrance oil, so it is a mix of both synthetic and uh, essential oils. That gives the best throw, um, both cold and hot throw. Um, and so we have four different sizes. We have an 8-ounce, a 4-ounce, a 2-ounce, and a wax melt. Um, and then we also have room sprays. So if you don't like to burn things, but you still like the, you still like smelly things, I use the room sprays. I have one in my car yeah. right now. Okay, so I, I'm so blown away just by how how much went into creating this. I don't even know how you did it. I want to, do, I want to get into that. But first, can you tell us about the Africa side of, of all of this? Yeah, sure. So the, the simple story behind that is, is that I knew that we needed to do something there. They were, they, uh, the, the people on the ground that I work with, like, you have to help us, you have to help us, you have to help us, right? And I was like, oh, I really kind of like my life and 
you know, don't really want to give up. I knew it was going to be a great talk, right? I had mm-hmm. to do that. And I was like, eh, I don't really know how I feel about that. Um, and so I, you know, I was like, look, if you can help make this sustainable over here, which is, you know, impossible, really, then, then I'll, then I'll help you. Right. That was kind of like my way out. Cause I was like, they'll never be able to do that. Lo and behold, I wake up in my mosquito net, um, 3am and I'm like, Oh, I think I've got it. Coffee, right? Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee. Everybody there drinks coffee. So we went out into the town and called like a town hall meeting. Right. And we talked to them and we we're like, look, we want you to save three beans out of every coffee roast and put it over here in this cup. At the end of the week on Sabbath, bring the cup back in. Let's see how much you have, right? And what I learned was is that they pulled three beans out on the first day, and they didn't change their Buna roast. So then they pulled six beans out, nine beans out, 12 beans out. And so by the time that they came back on Sabbath, they had enough for one more Buna roast. And I said, okay, don't buy Buna today, uh, which is timber, which is pennies on the dollar here. Save that and put it over here in this jar. Um, and at the end of the, at the end of the month, I was not going to be there, but at the end of the month, come back. Um, we have people on the ground that run our project. Our, our projects are completely indigenously run. Um, we just kind of help oversee and help fund it. Um, and so I said, come, let's come back and see how much we have. We were able to take 166 kids out of an orphanage and put them into full-time foster care in the community. So our community members are raising our kids again because they wow. have financial help. Oh my and goodness. We able to, and so still to this day, people still pull beans out of their Bruna roast and still still do micro saving. So that's one of the things we do over there. The other things that we the other thing that we do is we help with micro lending. And so we have a co op of women over there, um, who who run the program and you submit uh you submit an application for like the one that we just did and that we did a video on. So if you go onto our website you'll be able to see the video. Um and it talks about um it talks about a woman who did she had a laundromat or she had a laundry service and she wanted to go and expand her laundry service and so she went to the she went to the um she went to the laundry or to the co to the co-op and said hey i want to you know i want to i'm going to get a spigot because if i have a spigot at my house then i won't have to go to collect people's laundry i can go and i can go and get my you know i can go collect it and then bring it back to my house so she asked for a microloan for, wait for this, 65 U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. And what she was able to do in like six months' time was to completely, um, she's completely self-sufficient, pay the loan back, and now employing women. Hmm. Oh, I love it. So, I mean, that was it. But hmm. the beautiful thing is, is that like microloans can't be handed back out until the microloans are paid off. Yeah. So it's this, it's this accountability thing within this. The other thing that they're doing over there is we have a bunch of women who have either been widowed or left domestic abuse or because that sort of stuff happens over in Africa, too. Um, and they're all living in this one house. And then they're, they found a new way to build bricks. And they're literally building each other houses brick by brick. And the sickest huh. or the or the poorest or the most impoverished get the house first. And so every day they're building these bricks and building each other's houses. But until then, they're all living together in a community um, and, and being able to, um, yeah. So, I mean, those are just some of the programs that we're doing. We have, we have our foster care program. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the stuff that, that we help with over in Africa. I could literally talk about it for like the next 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> so you were explaining that the profit side of what's going on in Columbus is paying for what's happening in Africa, the programs that you have going there, as well as your programs in Columbus. Is that, do I have that right? Correct. Okay. It pays for a portion of it. And so some, mm-hmm. uh, some of it is still fundraised through the nonprofit, correct? Okay. 
Got it. All right. I just want to make sure all those pieces are are clear. Is yep. there anything that you would like to explain a little bit more before before I move on? No, I don't think so. Okay. Just wanted to ensure that. Okay. And I'm taking that whole part out, that little side thing I just said. Okay. So now, Amber, okay. I want to hear about you <laughs> because... Like I said, this is so mind-blowing, what you have been able to create here from nothing with no prior prior experience. Um, we could probably talk for a whole hour about the nuts and bolts about how you did this. I want to hear more mm-hmm. about the soul part of it for you. Um, sure. Finding sure. this deep purpose in your, in your life that is so different than you ever expected and without the skill set you necessarily had, but inspired you to build that skill set. How has this work transformed your life? Oh, gosh, that's, that's very deep. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because um, if you were to ask me this question two and a half, three years ago when I started it, I would have given you such a very different answer than the answer that I'm going to give you now. And so uh-huh. I'll kind of touch a little bit on both of those. Yes. So when I started it, I was like, we are literally going to change the world. Like, we- everything is going to be perfect. This is it. Like we have got this right. And then, um, and then it happened and it is really, really hard work and there's not a playbook and the funding isn't always there. And you let people down and people let you down. And I personally, as an individual have changed so much. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just a completely different person. And so, um, part of what I've done in the last eight months or so is I really have gone on a journey into like myself. Um, mm-hmm. I put myself into, into therapy, the same therapy that our women get. Yeah. Um, and that has just radically changed me. I wow. am, um, you know, I, I dealt with a, I have, you know, I had a pretty traumatic childhood. And so dealing with my own trauma, right. Which, which just makes me appreciate the hard work that these women are doing, right. Because getting into your own trauma and, and getting into your own life is, is something that no, that people don't do. And even if we do it, we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and so really digging into that and figuring out like, who am I and why did I start this? Right. Because the Amber that started it and the Amber that runs it, I'm two different people now. Right. I mean, I'm primarily the same. I'm still really funny. Um, (laughs) and, and, you know, and still, and still have a increase, but I'm so much more realistic now. And I, I think my ability to really understand, um, these problems has, has really changed it. So one of my favorite authors is Brene Brown. Yep. <laughs> um, and she, if you if you've not read anything, for, you should literally read every word that the woman has ever written. Yep. And I'm reading she one talks right about now. Theodore Roosevelt. Ah, oh, I'm reading that book right now, Amber. It. Yes. Okay. So she talks about Theodore Roosevelt and about how this is it's daring the man greatly. in the arena, right? Daring greatly. It's about the man in the arena, and if the man in the if, if, that your loudest critics cannot be the people in the arena, it has to be the people the the, the people that are watching, right? Your spectators. It's got to be the people in the arena. So I live by the same rules that Brene lives by. If you are not in the arena, literally getting your, your tail kicked and your face is bloody, then you, have, you literally have no say. I don't mm. care who you are. I don't care what money you bring. I don't care what, what side of what politics you sit on. There's, you, just, you do not get a say. That's just how it works. But more than that, what I learned was is that I was willing to get into the arena and just fight everything and everybody. Right. I'm going to take down human trafficking. All these people are doing all these bad things. But then about eight months ago, I decided I was going to step into the arena with myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you've never stepped in the arena with yourself, mm-hmm. it changes everything. 
right? And so I did. I dug in and did, like, really, really hard work and still doing really, really hard work and learning about trauma, my trauma, and and the women's trauma. And it has made me a better leader, and it has made me a better friend, and it has made me – but along that way, you lose a lot of things. You lose a lot of parts of you that you don't need anymore. You lose a lot of things that, that you that you thought that you needed, and it just be, you just become a more real, authentic person, mm-hmm. um, which I think will help me be able to lead our organization even further than it's already gone. I couldn't I could not have led our organization to the place that it's going, being the person that I was three years ago. I couldn't have. So that includes for you the changes you said being more realistic about what you're facing. What else? I think too, it's just, it's just this whole different look on life. And that if I can't, if I can't get it, if I can't get it right, right. If I, if I can't live up to the things that I'm asking my, the women in our program to live up to, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really remiss to do that. And so I had to dig in and do a lot of, a lot of forgiving and I had to dig in and do a lot of, shedding away of things and mm-hmm. relationships and people that didn't eat. I, I, you just kind of have to rid all that stuff. Right. I could tell my women that, but I couldn't do that. Right. How did oh, you, you know? need to do X, Y, or Z? Yeah. How did, How did you I, know it was time I, I, for you to dig in? I have a great, Oh, Oh, because you, it's a really interesting thing doing this job and, and kind of um, being put into some sort of a spotlight. Right. And, mm-hmm. and by your women, by your donors, by the people that are kind of following you, um, but really, I think what it came down to was that you kind of just get to this place in your life where you just continue to wrestle with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And I finally got to this place where I'm like, I don't want to wrestle with myself. Yeah. Right? I don't like who I am, and I want to fix that. Then I found a fantastic therapist and, and, uh, and really just did the work. Oh, Amber, this is incredible. So if you don't mind me asking, and you don't have to answer this, but what were you wrestling I think it was, I think it was a lot of my childhood, right? I, I grew up in a very traumatic child with a very traumatic childhood. And I think it was that, that based off of that, that I wasn't, I was making this, I was making bad decisions. Um, that for me, it was, it was this living, right? So Brene Brown, let's go back to Brene Brown, because I just love her so much. She talks about that you can either live inside of your story and actually truly authentically live inside of your story, or you can be outside of your story hustling for it, right? And I constantly felt like I was hustling. I was hustling for the company. I was hustling for the nonprofit. I was hustling for my story. I was, hu- I was hustling, 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 hustling. And here's the deal. I got really good at it. Yeah, But then sure. I realized that like, I don't, I don't want to hustle anymore, right? I don't want to hustle anymore. And so what that took was a lot of hard work. I mean, like painful painfully looking at myself, looking at the decisions that I've made, looking at the choices that I've made, looking at these different things and really digging into why do I behave? Why do I have these behaviors? Why Mm -hmm. do certain parts of my life work and other parts of my life not work? Why? And really just kind of digging into and and with good guidance of of a good solid therapist who, you know, would would push me when I didn't want to be pushed and, 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 and really kind of understood what you know what I was going through and so I think that that's kind of what 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 it was is that I was really just tired of hustling Do you I was feel really like... just tired of trying to be everything that everybody wanted me to be mm-hmm. and not having any clue who I actually was okay that I Which relate I to so so does. much yes and that's what I was gonna say like I didn't have the traumatic childhood you did um which I am so grateful I didn't because I can't even imagine but to but I relate to that feeling of 
hustling being a form of running away um, and also a way sure. of masking who you are. And like you said, sure. a way of masking that you don't know who you are. And you were saying that this tied into um, some the trauma that you experienced as a, were you saying you were a foster child? That's correct. Okay. So now that you're able to relate to, you know, more, more authentically face what you did as a child as a way to help um, connect with the women that you are helping as well. How has it changed what you are doing each day? Like, how are you approaching things differently? Yeah, so I do yoga now, which is, uh, which I, which I literally laughed at people who did yoga. And now I'm like <laughs> one of those yoga people. Um, I do yoga. I, I go to therapy and talk about the fact that I go to therapy. I mm-hmm. um, am just making wiser, better choices. Like right now I'm driving to go take a hike because it's important for me to, to, to be able to clear my mind completely. And what I found is that earth, that the earth grounds me right Mm -hmm. before I I didn't even know how to even make sense of that. But for, for some people, it's the water for some people, earth really grounds me. And so I make it a priority in my schedule to spend time outside in the, in the earth, because that's where I get my mind cleared. And that, and, and for me, a clear mind was paralyzing. And now, like, I so desperately need a clear mind, right? Like, mm. um, so be- before you before were my mind was cleared, I didn't, right? I didn't know what to do with it. And now I'm like, okay, I, there's too much going on. I need to clear my mind. And so I think I've just become a healthier person, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, making better food choices. And, and, and I think that it's, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, this, this is great. Like, no, you just have to change your, your, literally your whole life. You have to change the way that you think and the people that you interact with. And, and so I think that, that that's how you become healthier is that you really just understand that, but the healthier that you become, the easier it becomes. Hmm. There's a lot of undoing in the, in the healing, like you were saying, and you, I'm you really have glad to you're unlearn all the that. things that you thought you needed to be right. Like yeah. I don't unlearn all the things that I thought I needed to be for you. What did you think you needed to be before then? I don't, I think that's interesting because I'm not quite for sure, but I thought I needed to be a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. Like I am not a little bit of everything. I mean, I am, I'm a very, I'm a very layered individual, right? Like sure. I like a lot of things, like I like classical music, but I have a half sleep tattoo, but mm-hmm. I love Jesus, but I cuss, but I like whiskey, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it's, I think, but that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that now. Before I may not have showed you all of me. Right. I may have just showed you the parts that I thought. Right. So it was like this. It was like, how can I how can I connect with you, but not connect with you, but connect with you just enough. Right. And now I walk into a thing or walk into an interview with you. We've talked for prior to this interview for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Now I can be authentically who I am, knowing that your listeners are going to listen to this. And I'm perfectly okay with that. That is so amazing. I mean, I know how hard that is that I know how many years of work that takes to do. And, and you're doing it. Um, okay. I, I, I just hope people can listen and see themselves in you too. And maybe have to think about how am I living in a way that's not authentic to who I am? How am I putting up a facade? Or how am I putting people at arm's length? How am I trying to live up to everybody else's expectations but my own? What do you think is some of the key things they can do to to stop that? Okay. I feel like I have a pretty good game plan. One, you need to, you need to find a therapist. Two, you need to Google EMDR, which is, which is like a type of therapy and make for sure that your therapist does that. Three, you need to read every word that Brene Brown has read. And then four, you need to just get real honest with yourself. Yeah. 
You just, you just need to get because here's the deal: you don't need to get real honest with yourself and then go tell everybody everything. Absolutely not. You yeah. have to get honest with yourself. There was there was so much of my own life that I was lying to myself about. Right. Mm. Or so much of my own life that I was hiding from myself or didn't want to own up to. Or, and I'm not talking about like specific things. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like parts of who I am. Yep. I get and that. what a greater gift, what a greater gift to give to yourself than knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not claiming like I'm like I've got it completely figured out because I do not by any means. But I think that that's what changes. And it's also seems to be finding the things that ground you, like you were saying, the earth grounds you, which is me. I feel like we are very similar in how you're talking. I'm like, that's me too, Amber. Um, Finding something that grounds you and taking that time to work, to um, get back to what grounds you so you have the space to think and dive deep. Like you're saying, a lot of thought needs to go into this. Oh, yeah. I mean... There are sometimes when I hike that I absolutely hate it, and because I don't want to go there, but I, I, I'm making it a practice, right? The same way that sometimes I hate going to yoga because I'm not super great at it, right? And I don't like to do things I'm not great at. But what I've learned by continuing to go to yoga is that it's a practice. Yeah. Right. And so the more you do it, the better you get at it. The the more that you make yourself do something that you don't want to do, the more you discipline yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So like today I was just like, okay, I've got, I've got to carve out, you know, a chunk of time to go hike today because I, you know, I've got a lot of things coming up and a lot of moving different parts and pieces and whatnot. And maybe I'll go on my hike today and I'll get some huge revelation, right? Maybe I'm going to go on my hike today and I'm just going to be like, okay, I just feel, I feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to go on my hike today and have some realization. That, and, but I think that it's creating that space, that space and time with just you. Nobody else is going on this hike with me today. I'm going there by myself, right, with my hiking shoes and my little backpack and in my headphones. And I'm going to just be with me, right, hmm. which will allow me the opportunity to get to know myself better, right? Because the thoughts that I have, now I'm aware of them and I'm recognizing, okay, what story am I telling myself, right? What story am I telling myself today? Like, what am I telling myself about the interaction that I had with the phone call earlier? What story am I telling myself about my future? What story am I telling myself about this or this or this or this? And then I'm able to understand myself better and like where I'm at and where I still need to improve. Wonderful. You know, um, I want to just end with the final question that I ask everyone. And I feel like you've been answering this as we've been digging deep into what you've been talking about. And I ask everybody, what have you learned about yourself the past few years? So how else do you think you could answer that question before we say goodbye? I think what I learned about myself is that if I, that I would be friends with myself, hmm. <laughs> right? Like I, I think a few years ago, I probably not, would not have been friends with myself. But I think now if, if I like, if I were not me and I had the opportunity to be friends with me, I think I'd be a friend with me. Hmm. So I, I think I learned how to be a friend to myself, which will, which makes me a better person for my community, for my friends, for for, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a husband and kids, but my, you know, my future family and all of that. And so I think what I learned was that, was that like, I like me. Okay. Wow. I would have, I, I swear, I would not, I would not have answered that question that way, even, even a year ago. What I love about that <laughs> is that you identified you wouldn't have been friends with y- yourself, you know, a few years ago. And <laughs> I'm like, how come I never thought of that in that way? 
you know, just asking yourself that question. Would I be friends with me <laughs> if I? Well, no, because outside? I wasn't. I wasn't reliable. I wasn't reliable, and I was always, you know, wrapped up in something else. And I would, I would not. I was not a good friend mm-hmm. because I, I, I wasn't a good friend to myself. And so, how in the world am I going to be a good friend to, to somebody else? Yes. Right? We all have those friends where you're just like, man, they're a really crappy friend. You're still friends with them. <laughs> I don't know why, but you're still friends with them, right? That's yeah. true. And then, but then we have those friends that you're like. I know that person will be here. I know that I could call that person. I'm friends with this person because their integrity is this. I'm friends with this person because they ground me. I'm friends with this person because when I'm in their presence, they make me a better person. Hmm. And so in order to... So would, you be, would you be friends with yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a question. That's a good question to ask. Yep. Okay, that's where we're going to leave this interview because I need to go and think about that myself. Amber, this has been incredible. <laughs> You are amazing. I just want to give you a big proverbial round of applause here for all that you've created and how brave you've been in doing it, as well as the soul work that you've done, you know, the past few months here. And I just want to cheer you on. And I will make sure to include in the show notes all of the website that you talked about on the Instagram and social media things where, where people can find you. But I just really want to thank you yeah. for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Can't you see what I mean about Amber? Amber, all the feels. Thank you so much. I really learned a great deal from you, and I am so thrilled to share your message and your voice with our listeners. You can find all of her links again on my show notes. That should be in your app, and if you don't have them in your app, go to my website, aboutprogress.com, and it's all right there for you. Again, if you want 20% off of their candles, put in the code progress, P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S. And again, this is not an affiliate code. Like I don't get a cent from this. This is Amber just trying to treat our listeners. And I really hope that you buy something from them as I will be too. Next week, I have another super awesome interview for you. I know I say they're always awesome, but guys, they just are. And I know if I had you on the show, it would be an awesome interview too. So this woman is Krista Lee Beck. She is one of the co-founders of Mama Ladder, and you will just learn so much about fear from her, how to overcome fear. She has a list of seven different fears of what we can face in our lives and how to overcome them. Make sure you tune in for that. And just so you know, that's going to be my my last episode for a bit. It's time for me to take a little break. I'll be sharing more about that next week, but we're going to end season one at 83 episodes, which is hilarious to me. It's not even like a number that you want to end on. We're going to end at 83 for first season, take a month or two off and gear up for our second season, season two. And again, I'll be sharing more information about why we're having a little break and what is in store for us in the future next Wednesday. I'll talk to you then. And until then, take care of yourself.